Hey everyone, this is Stephen St. John again with another episode of uh, Hot Mike with SSJ. And I want to remind you that you could subscribe on uh, YouTube uh, and you could also download the podcast wherever you enjoy your podcast. So uh, be sure to subscribe and download and we'll have a new episode, at least one new episode every week. Sometimes we'll have two episodes. I don't know. Ben, it depends on your schedule. So I'm here for you. Uh, but right now I'm really excited because the first segment I have my dad on, and he's going to be uh, a recurring guest uh, maybe every month. We'll see. And then uh, last week, uh, I had uh, Jake and uh, Todd Lebo on the show discussing the Sopranos movie, The Many Saints of Newark. And so when I, I come up with this idea, I wanted to talk to people uh, that have interesting stories and that have experienced things that uh, the normal person normally uh, wouldn't uh, wouldn't have experience in or wouldn't uh, have, have walked in their shoes. And so I find uh, my next guest to be extremely interesting. And also, uh, he's a dear friend of mine for many, many, many years. I hate to even think about it because then I feel really old. And so, uh, but I'm talking about Craig Cummings, who was uh, one of the best uh, boxers ever to come out of this area, ever to come out of Kansas City, fought for a world title, and uh, also is a Kansas City, Missouri firefighter. So there's plenty of things that I want to talk to Craig about. And also, way back in the day, he trained some some fat kid that showed up at the gym one day. Me, and I'm still fat, but hey, for a while there I wasn't. But right now we have uh, Craig Cummings with us. Craig, uh, how you doing, man? It's good to see you. Good, man. What an honor to be on this with you. I, I, we started when you, your radio show in the very beginning. I went with you, and you put your first demo tape together. and. Yeah. So now, man, what an honor to come start or help it with the broadcast, you know, it's the podcast. Full, full circle because, uh, yeah, when I was first starting at Union Broadcasting, my first gig, I was just uh, like, I, 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 I pitched this idea, hey, I can do a weekly boxing, boxing segment because all the casinos are doing boxing, and I think the casinos might uh, advertise. And I've trained with a lot of the fighters, and the guy that trains me is the best fighter around, and he'll come in and he'll help me get other fight, uh, fighters as guests, and you were the first guest when uh, and, and we – we're interviewed by Chad Boger, who, of course, is the president of the company now when he was still on the air. And that was one of my first in-studio interviews. So that would have been, I think, 98. So proud of you, bro. 90, I'm proud of you, too. <laughs> I'm proud of you said yes. I'm thinking, like, I, I hope he wants to come out here and talk to me. But, I mean, that's it's 98. Oh, wait, I got to do math now. 18, 20, 23 years ago was the first time I interviewed you. So has anything happened it's since? It's been a minute. Right. right. Yeah. So, let's, let's, so let's talk about – I want to talk about your background, Okay. First, for, for people that, that, that aren't familiar with you and, and where you're from, from Gallatin, Missouri, right? Gallatin, yeah. And so, so tell me, take me back to a, a young Craig Cummings that decides, you know what, I want to I wanna be a boxer. Well, I was five, so I don't, I don't really remember. <laughs> um, we had, there was a boxing club in Gallatin, and uh, I remember my dad came home one day, and he was like, uh, we're going to take my brother to the gym and i'm like i want to go i want to i want to do everything the big kids did and how old was your brother at that point he was four years older than okay. me so he was nine all right um so we go to the gym and just i was stuck i loved it i mean i i was there from that point on from the time i was five years old every day so i had my first fight when i was six and i was so active and like when i was 10 i fought uh, kenny gould who ended up winning the bronze medal in the olympics we were fought in the finals of the national silver mittens tournament and so I was a runner-up national champ at 10 and, um, you know, one of the best little kid boxers in the country. So high school football comes along and, you know, I play football and then, you know, college. And by the time I got to college, 
you know, I'd boxed my whole life. I'd already had a hundred and some odd fights and, you know, I didn't ever really look at being a pro boxer, but whenever that came, like Tommy Morrison started killing it. I'm like, well, I think I could probably, you know, I mean, I've spent my life doing it anyway. Why not? And boxing was hot around here, especially when well, Tommy started to hit the scene. Well, whenever he turned pro and, you know, he was getting the big fights on ESPN and USA Boxing and all those, and like it made it look fun. So I decided to turn pro. My trainer, Mr. Nix, was tight with Peyton Shear. And so Peyton, my first pro fight, my uh, pro debut was in Madison Square Garden. So I had three fights in Madison Square Garden, and then I ended up signing a, a – uh, contract with them to have you know televised so it, it all took off you know what i mean and it was going great up until i you know after i fought aaron davis i had that car wreck and was off for a year and a half and kind of had to regroup and start all over and you know ended up getting back to a world title status but you know boxing was always a secondary thing you know i always had something else going on you right. know i always worked at a bank or you know was a fireman i mean i've always had another job so you know the that's the hype that comes with the boxing for me was more because my parents like, you know, I mean, it made them proud. And, you know, the people that followed me, I wanted to make them, you know, correct in their following. You know, what I mean, if they, you know, reinforce what they've been following this whole time. So like getting to fight for a world title to me, it meant more what it what it did to other people than it did for myself. Right. You know, what I mean, so, so you mentioned Mr. Nix. We'll get to him. But your, your father, Tom. Was, was always in your corner. Oh, yeah. Right? And so t tell me, how, how much background did he have with boxing? Because that's always that's been very interesting to me. We've seen many successful fighters have their fathers in their corners. That's not a rare dynamic. But for you, tell me what that was like and, and what background he had in boxing before he started training uh, his boys. Well, he is such a – he was a student. I mean, he, he studied everything. He read a lot. Um, he boxed in an orphanage. He grew up in an orphanage in Waco, Texas. You know, had a really rough life, and um, he just thought boxing was something that every kid should do. I mean, it, he didn't really do it. You know, I mean, it's not like he had he participated and had fights, but he was a student of the game, and he had been exposed to it at an early age. So, whenever you know it, it came up, you know, there's boxing club in Gallatin. You're like, yeah, we're going. I mean, you guys need to do this. So, and then he just you know learned from the best. I mean, and he just paid attention he studied he read books i mean boxing is a lot of common sense really i mean if you're on balance you know you got good fundamentals i mean and, and fundamentals are simple they're the same for everybody and what do you always tell me if you can dance you can box if you can dance you can box but right. it, if your feet ain't right nothing's right. right i mean you got you got to always be on balance because you know you're all balanced you're pretty much fucked how, how, how much did that help you to have your dad in, in your in your corner it was, it was always a calming presence i mean there was nothing ever got too out of whack like for instance, I'll give you a for instance. Yeah. Um, when the Randy Carver stuff, whenever they were slamming me in, when Jason Whitlock called me Kid Fire Hydrant on the front page. Yeah. Well, the whole deal was I had already in negotiations to fight for the world title with Steve Collins. I mean, that, that was already a done deal. In Scotland. In Scotland. I mean, it was we'd already talked about it. So, you know, this article comes out, and they'd offered me twenty five grand to fight Randy Carver. You know, the, the title fight was three times that. So... I, at one point, I called Dad. I'm like, dude, I'm depressed. They're lock, my locker at work. I mean, those articles were everywhere. I couldn't go to the pisser without reading that article. Right. You know, it, it was on the urinals. I mean, everybody, because that's what firemen do. So I called, <laughs> I called Dad, and I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm depressed. He goes, what? I'm your psychiatrist. What are you depressed about? So I was telling him. I'm like, I want to just do this fight, dude. I said, I just get this one over with. The title fight will come later. He goes, well, son, what I'm just wondering is what's wrong with your math? <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you don't turn down a title fight yeah. for that much money. Right. Yeah. Right. So I mean, I would. I was all for just you know pleasing everybody, but he was like, "Well, what's wrong with your math?" And that made a lot of sense. And, and so, so you mentioned Mr. Nix, right? And and so so tell me about Mr. Nix, how you got hooked up with him, and and uh, and what he meant to you. Well, is when I was in college. Um, I would only train because I had a Golden Glove scholarship. They they paid for me to go to college, so I kind of felt obligated. To, and, wh- and where did you go? I went to Missouri Western. There we go, Griffins, baby. So um, while I was in college, you know, I mean, I was going to college, not much school. You know, I mean, I was having a really <laughs> good time. And so whenever I would, you know, fight, I would train just for the fight, train for the tournament, whatever. I mean, I wasn't a, a year-round fighter like I should have been. Right. So. I went to Mr. Nix because, you know, he was like the best guru around. Um, and, you know, Tommy Morrison had been there for a little bit when he first turned. Because when Tommy first turned pro, he was with Peyton, right. you know, my original manager. So I just kind of followed what he did. And where's Mr. Nix's gym at? At 37th and Woodland, KC Parks and Rec. Yeah. And what is now what I've come full circle back to is I have my gym at the Garrison Community Center. You know, it's free for kids. Nobody has to pay anything. And, you know, that's how I grew up in boxing. I, I never paid to go to a gym, so I don't expect people to now. You know what I mean? My, my, my best uh, Mr. Nick story is uh, so when, when, you were, when you were training me and, and, try, and trying to help me, and then I go there for the – you told me, hey, and we had been training at a 24-hour gym down in the city market area, yeah. 24-7 fitness. And, I mean, you'd meet me – and we'll get into this story a little bit deeper, but – You'd meet me at five in the morning before you went into work, before I went into work, and you would just just train me, try to teach me boxing because you knew I was I was going to show up and I wanted it more than yes, anything. Yes, right. But then it's at one point, say you, you need to come to Thirty Seventh Woodland where where I train, and you can get some sparring. You can see how things really go. And so I go in there and I worked the bags and did some stuff, maybe for about about half an hour or whatever. And, and you know, Mister Dix was just sitting there, <laughs> dressed like it was you know. 30 degrees, but it was like 80 degrees, just sitting in his chair, just looking, not saying nothing. And so you just go over and you go, and, and you go, Mr. Nix, what do you think? And he looks at me, this motherfucker can't fight. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, well, here, here I am. And you, and you laugh just like that. And that's, that's, about, that's about the most positivity I got from Mr. Nix. But yeah. guess what? He told you. Yeah. He told you the truth. Oh, yeah. There, there it was. Yeah, but, he hurt feelings every day. <laughs> but it was, it was kind of funny. And so you... Uh, you you mentioned the fight in Scotland. Uh, Steve Collins was the WBO champion, and you go to Scotland to fight him, right? right. Tell me about that. It was a pretty awesome experience. Um, I just I won the WBC Continental Americas title over Carlos Bates, and uh, it got me ranked in the top ten. Carlos Psycho Bates. Yeah, so it, that, that got me ranked in the top ten. So my dad gets this phone call from a foreigner, and you know you could barely understand what he's saying. And he goes, "We want your son to fight for world title." And right. How much would that cost? So my dad just shoots him a number, and the guy hung up. And he's like, "Well, I guess I was a little too high. I don't know." Do you remember <laughs> like what, like ballpark, like what? what, what I mean, I, my dad. Well, I, exactly what he said. He goes, uh, "He goes, well, Steve Collins, he's about the meanest dog on the block, so we're gonna have to have about 150 grand, 150 thousand for that." And so for, for, for people that don't you know, know the business, say for a, a fight, a main event fight in Kansas City, what, what would you get back, back in the day? What would be the average pay? Well, I was very fortunate because I ended up doing a deal with the Ameristar. So I was like their house fighter. And, and you were a good ticket seller. A so, very good ticket right. seller, yeah. So, I mean, and that's what on the, on the small market, these club shows, man, that's what it's so hard to do now is if you don't have 
local talent that the fans are coming to see. Because, you know, boxing, if you're not a big, big name, the middle names, they don't know. I mean, because there's more MMA on TV than there is boxing. And, you know, these guys aren't becoming household names that, that aren't the top. You know, if you're not on pay-per-view, then they don't see them on ESPN every week or Friday night, you know, Tuesday night fights, all that. So, because it, it doesn't exist now. But, like when I fought at Beaumont Club, I got $400, and that money was spent before I stepped in the ring. Well, well, there's a perfect example. I, my pro debut was in Madison Square Garden, and I fought a guy from Jerusalem, and I got 400 bucks. I mean, that was 100 bucks around. That's right. That was the payback then. That's right. You know, but once you get to 6, 8, 10, I mean, and depending, like Jake Paul said, a perfect example. You don't have to be good. You don't, whatever. If you're bringing, you're packing the house, you're going to get a piece of it. Right. I mean, and that's boxing has become well it, i say it's become it's always been that way i mean you look back jack dempsey fighting a kangaroo and shit i mean they they've always done weird shit i mean <laughs> boxing has always had a bunch of weird stuff yeah. going on to promote it to you know like my wife she was having a fit this morning she was listening to deontay wilder and tyson fury's back and forth about religion and uh wilder supposedly a devil worshiper and and tyson you know jesus guy so there's a lot there to unpack by the way oh my god yeah right. so but people will go really really far to sell a fight right i mean that's just the nature of the beast and, and to that point uh wilders get to beat him but i would go see that fight every month if they wanted to have it oh, because man. it was wildly entertaining yeah pun intended but so 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 point is 150 grand that was that was a big deal eye opening and he throws it out there right and so but 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 you, they hang up so then they they call you back well yeah we went back and forth for negotiations and he and he called back and um i think it was 80 and he we said yes so we'll we'll do it and then they came back and they said well we have a guy that'll do it for 40 and i said well tell him good luck <laughs> I, I i was done you know going back and forth with it steve collins was the world champion you're fighting him in his backyard yes right? but and, and i was you know freshly ranked i mean i i was new to these kind of big fight negotiations so um, and out of that eighty grand, there's a lot of expenses there too. It ain't like you're walking away with eighty grand. I mean, you're talking about well, training. Well, I, I ended up walking away with sixty. Yeah, I mean, when it was all said and done. So right. And so you go over there, and and you, I mean, you you put them down. It was a hell of a fight. Well, it it started out good, but another thing that that I would have learned in retrospect, you learn so much more now, right? You know, because I didn't demand anything. I wasn't, you know, I I need a a restaurant that's got you know, hard-boiled eggs and toes and whatever. The The food was terrible in Scotland. I mean, my granddad immigrated here from Scotland, but, you know, I wouldn't go back to eat the food. Right. So I lost like six pounds during the two weeks that we were there. So you're there for two weeks before the fight. The food was terrible and you're not... And I'm uh, nervous as shit. I mean, right. I mean, don't want to eat anyway. So by the time the fight came, I was 161 with my clothes on. He was 183 on fight night. You know, we both weighed, you know, 68 for the weigh-in, right. but... On fight night, I didn't gain anything, and he was 25 pounds heavier. So I had that going against me. I had the smallest ring I've ever fought in. You know, it was a phone booth. There was no getting away from this guy. You can YouTube the fight, by the way. Yeah. Greg Cummings and uh, well, Steve Collins. The whole plan was move, box, jab, you know, try to keep him off me a little bit. And that through, as soon as I stepped in the ring, I'm like, well, that plan's out the window. There's nowhere to go. So I just planted my feet and started ripping. And, you know, he knocked him down twice. I knocked him down. He knocked me down. I knocked him down again. So... The first round started great. You know, actually, I always started great in the first round. Like Aaron Davis, I had him hurt in the first round. The only first round that I've lost was Michael Kessler. He beat me up from the beginning. Another world champ. Another world champ. But yeah. from the first bell, I, that's, I knew at that point that I didn't really probably need to box anymore. Right. That I can't compete 
at this level. And and so you're you're a pro fighter, very successful pro fighter, uh, having having a very successful career. When do you decide? Okay, I'm going to become a firefighter. Well, in ninety. Five is when I got on the fire department. It was two years before I fought for the world title. I actually went to my interview down at the city, and I was like, yeah, the, you know, boxing was something that I just done in the past. I'm ready to move on to a new adventure. And, you know, my buddy Johnny Palma was, you know, the only real fireman I knew, and, and he told me, I, I called him. I'm like, what do you do anyway? So I went over to his house. I put on all of his gear, and I'm like, hey, this is cool, man. Where do you sign up to do this? <laughs> so, I mean, is this something you, you had always wanted to do, or just no, all of a sudden, like, I want to be a firefighter? Well, no, I used to, uh, I get pulled over by the cops a lot <laughs> and, uh, they'd always like search me and fuck wow. with me. And I, I was like, man, what could I do where I'm not a cop, but they will respect me. You know, I mean, firemen, everybody likes a fireman. So that's when I called Johnny. I'm like, Hey man, what do you do? So that's really where it's my interest spawned from that. But what a perfect balance, you know, the fire department is for being a professional athlete because you get daily reminders of what life's all about. You know, I've probably done CPR hundreds of times. I don't remember, but I remember the 25 we brought back. You know, I had 200 fights. I don't remember 100 of the 200 of the wins, but I remember those 25 ass whoopings I got. Right. I mean, I've, it's just, everything's in perspective. This might be a, a, a stupid question, but again, I want to ask questions that maybe people don't get a chance to ask all the time. So you, you've, you've, been a fighter to where you're fighting in a, in a in another country against a world champion, getting ready to make that ring walk, uh, which many people will never experience. You've also been a firefighter that's gotten the call, and you're getting ready to go and 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 try to save someone's life, right? Can you compare the feelings? Is there a hundred percent? Well, the, okay. the 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 being able to control your emotions that that's the most important thing in life, really is is being able to seize the moment, staying calm, getting the job done. And it's so gratifying at the end. And, but when you're going into the fight, going into a fire, you got to stick, you got to remain where you can think. And, you know, I see young firefighters now, you get that cat look in their eyes, you know, like they're just hit the catnip and they right. just tunnel vision. And I'm like, oh, yeah. but you can't get that. I mean, if you're in a fire, you're in a fight, you got to think. I mean, I think on your feet because the, everything's changing so drastically so fast so so one thing helped you with the other so maybe going through that and going through that process of getting ready for a fight and controlling your emotions that helped you when you became a, a fireman a hundred percent i know it did i mean it's it's just I, I don't know how to really explain it but that that is controlling your emotions and, and staying calm under pressure is about the best thing i could say you know so many of my friends that I, i've grown up with have, have, have become firemen you know, in, including you. And it, uh, I got so much respect for you guys. And I, 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 I have so many questions when I, when I think about this, because we both, I mean, we were both good friends with Larry Leggio and, and, and lost him. We've seen so many uh, heroes that we've lost over the years. What is it like when, well, when you're getting ready to I, fight I, fire? I, I'm at Station 17. Right. And we had, in a five-year period, we lost five guys off of our shift, which is ungodly amount of, of death i mean because when you you live with these guys i mean we're together for 24 hours every third day it's like a brotherhood yeah 100 percent. i mean and 17 is even tighter than the most just because of the, the history and and everything that's went down you know we had uh, mike bowman didn't show up for work one morning pumper went to to get him and he was unresponsive he was doa 
And then uh, Billy Dady, another one of our dear friends, was painting a house. And his, his son works with us now, so that's pretty cool. But, you know, painting a house had a heart attack. And then we had the Bruno, you know, Bruno and, and the, the cop deal where Bruno got shot. And then, you know, had Larry and then uh, Danny Rapp committed suicide in the, in the parking lot. So, I mean, it was a lot of shit happening at our station. And, you know, every year it seemed like something horrible was going down. So that puts everything in perspective for me. I mean, there's, there's such, I mean, like I said, daily reminders that life is way more important than sports. How, how do you, I mean, how do you handle that? You, you talked about what you've gone through as a firefighter, but you still have to do your job and you can't think about that. You still, because people are depending on you. How, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you do it? I mean, it's just, it's, <laughs> it's what I do now. I mean, for right. 26 years that um, it's, I don't even want to, re I can retire, but I don't even want to right now. It's I love my job. I love the guys I work with. It's, it's, I, I go to the men's club and hang out, you know, and, and do sh good things for people. I mean, all, we're only there to help. You know, I mean, firemen, we're never there to, to arrest anybody, you know, to fuck with anybody. We're just there to help. You need us, great. You don't, we'll see you later. So you've, if you've got, then, hey, that's, that's, there's a handful of, of professions that the little kids want to grow up to be like, right? And there's a lot of them. How many, how many kids? I want to be a fireman. I want to ride on a fire truck. If there's a kid out there or even a young man or someone considering that, what advice would you tell someone if they if they come up to you and say, you know what, I think I'd like to be a fireman? I think it's a great profession. and Well, I mean, I'm kind of trying to convince my son to be a paramedic because right now medics are in such demand. And, I mean, and it's that's what we need more than anything because we've kind of switched um, over to a, a more medical focus right. in, in the fire department. I mean, it's always been, you know, we're just firemen. But, you know, now we, there's more medics. There's medics on the rigs. There's, you know, the, the medical has become a lot more prevalent than the firefighting. Because, you know, back in the day, the old school firemen, they just, you know, I'm fighting fire and that's it. You know, I mean, it, but now, you know, the, the medical side is where I would push people. And that's why I'm giving my son advice towards is, you know, being a medic. So if you don't mind, I want to ask you, can you, can you give me an example or take me to a time where you were fighting a fire and maybe the, the scariest moment that you've had personally where you don't know, like, you're, 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 it's going through your mind, like, I don't know if I'm going to get out of this. Or Dude, I've, I've been so hot, I thought I was going to spontaneously combust. I mean, those little flip-down visors completely curled up. and um, I mean, we just, I was at the fire when, when Tivet, we lost Tivet and at the warehouse fire. I'd been on the job four years. So that, from the beginning, we've... I've just been in a position to where we've been near the bad shit. Right. And, uh, you know, so I've been, like I said, so freaking hot that I didn't think, you know, you could get any hotter without just bursting into flame. But that's when the training kicks in. And like you said, that's just, that's just what you do. Well, you then know? you got to remember, how did I get in here? And, you know, I mean, but you can't panic. I mean, that's. And you've talked about, you, you, you've saved someone's life. What, what, what's that feel like? That's pretty badass. But, you know, so many times we'll get a pulse back, but we don't, won't know, you right. know, the final outcome. But in our eyes, that was a win. I mean, when we showed up, they were pulseless, and now they got one. You know, now they're breathing and, and have a heartbeat on their own. That's awesome. Have you ever had the opportunity where someone has is, is, is come back to you or tried to seek you out because you saved them or because you've helped them? And have you had that moment? Well, we had a, a pretty kick-ass thing at the uh, – Fox four at the news station, Kathy Quinn, my good friend was, sure. was there. And, um, there was a guy that was cooking. It was a chief's party and he went down and I mean, he was out. we shocked him five times and, and brought him back. And she called me like 
two months later and because hey that guy's here and i'm like well let me talk to that dude i mean it was, that that was neat so you know that was one of the rare times that we actually got to talk to somebody that was dead when we met him you know what i mean i, I can't imagine that it'd be like <laughs> unbelievably gratifying like you said it's pretty cool okay so I, i've got there's uh i'm gonna i'm gonna fumble around here with uh my phone because i did uh, I got on your Facebook page, Craig, and tried to get a couple of pictures here that we could uh, that we could talk about. And there was one in particular that I needed to to ask you about. Um, and so, your what was your what was your nickname when you fought? Kidfire, right? Well, before that, right, well, the, the douchebag name was <laughs> the battling banker. Yeah, the battling banker. Was, hey, <laughs> hey, he could kick your ass, but also get you a pretty good uh, interest rate in the loan. And so, I found this uh, this I, I don't know. This is a promotional picture. But I sure like it, and I'll, 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 I can then put it on camera right here. Oh, you, awesome. you, you take a look at this. And so this says a couple of things to me right here. <laughs> <laughs> this says this could be, okay, you're, 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 you're a boxer, okay? You're a firefighter, but also there's a tremendous male stripper vibe to this picture. I think you would agree, right? Tell me, tell me about this photo shoot here because this – Boy, this a picture does say a thousand words, and not, there's a I, lot of words to this. Side. I'm not sure where that came from. <laughs> yeah, yep. I mean, you you have that intimidating look. Oh yeah, you, you got it all. There's there's fire around you, everything. Yeah, that had to be 25 years ago because I still have my hazmat shield. Right. So I was in hazmat for a year. So that that was clearly 25 years ago. To be honest, when you walk into your house, is this up on no, the man above it the fireplace? No. Have you? How did you have any? Has it been a while since you seen that one? It has. I I, a, I don't have that. Right. You ben, know what? Yeah, that, that you like Ben likes it. He's got a big smile. Yeah, it's face. actually on the uh, wall at Firehouse Subs in Liberty. Oh, is it? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, Firehouse Subs? Are you going there? Well, well no, wow. my my buddy Ross. Yeah, Ross sure. Gardner, he owned them in the beginning. Okay. And uh, so I made him a mannequin with you know full gear on it and and uh, put that picture. I mean, he he hung all this stuff up. And the current owner, the guy he sold it to, it still has it up. Right. As far as I know, I mean, it's been a while, but. Um, yeah, that was originally to Ross. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that ain't going nowhere. That's staying. That's staying <laughs> on the wall. And and so 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 now let's get back to when when you're you're so you're fighting and you find that that uh, the schedule of uh, of a fireman works with being a professional boxer. It it right? can't if see I've I've always been in like station seventeen and eighteen, two of the busiest houses in the city. So I should have went up north, should have went to the airport, should have went somewhere where I just sat on my nuts, but I didn't. I mean, because that's not what I signed up for, but like the night that I fought the, before I fought Bates, I went ahead and worked, you know, I thought I could just work a 24 hour shift, no big deal and fight the next day. Well, we had a, a house fire over Northeast and there was green shit coming out of this seal or out of the roof. And I was on the roof and I didn't have a pack on. And I mean, I inhaled so much smoke that night. It was horrible. And I went ahead and fought. And then the third, I mean, thank God I, he went down and, uh, Ross called it, and I made it back to my corner, and that was as far as I made it. I mean, I we both went to the hospital after the fight because mine was because of the smoke inhalation and from fighting the fire the night before. So, you know, I just I pushed it a little too far. What's it like <laughs> when you're walking to the ring? Because that's that's to me that's like watching the fight the, the other night between Fury and Wilder. There, I I I love many sports, right? But I I challenge anyone to give me a more exciting moment for a big title fight when they're making the ring walk, right? And all the talk is done, and it's so exciting. What's it like for those of us that have not had that experience to be walking to the ring, thousands of people screaming, and you know here in a minute it's just going to be you and that other guy in the way? Well, there's a lot of a lot of weird emotions going on. You, obviously, you need your favorite song going. I mean, because if, if you... Tom Sawyer? 
Because for a while there, you know, Tom Sawyer. Well, because we were fighting on the river. Yeah, that's you know right. What I mean? <laughs> it, it, it kind of matched the theme. Yeah. You know what I mean? So good. I, I always, and I always, I did weird shit. I would, I would get my outfits ready. I would like sew stuff onto them or glue stuff onto them. I mean, kind of my ritual before war was preparing my outfits, and right. you know, it's like my ring song kind of matched the environment. You know, the river deal, Tom sure. Sawyer. So, I mean, that's. That's I love Rush. Anyway, you were into the theatrics, and that's part of being an entertainer. A part of it. Right. I mean, it's the little subtle things that that stand out. You know, what I mean, and that's you know the the fighters nowadays that there's, a, you know, Jake Paul's perfect example. It's it's how you sell it. It's how you present it. I mean, and do people want to see you fight or not? I, so I I remember so going to train, uh, and you had me uh, coming out to Thirty Seventh of Woodland to train at uh, Casey Mo Parks and Rec. And I remember one time I was sparring and I was getting ready to fight in the Golden Gloves and I was sparring uh, with our friend Damon Reed and then Greg Suddington, right? <laughs> and so, and Damon, boy, he, he, and I remember, you know, we we're, we we're, you know, getting into it and he's, I love this shit. I'm like, oh God. He really does. Right. And so then <laughs> he hit me so fucking hard with a, with a body shot that I legitimately thought, okay, I'm going to shit myself here in front of everyone. Let me get in the whole thing. Let me get through this round so I can go shit. So I don't do it in front of all the other fighters. Right. Uh, and, and it's, it's, I've tried to convey that to like my son's like what it's like to be hit. So I ask you, cause you've been hit by uh, some unbelievable fighters, right? What, what's the worst you've ever been hurt when you were hit like in a fight in front of, and you know, you ain't, you, you ain't quitting. You're not getting out of there, but you're like, Oh, it shit. was, it was, I can tell you it was Kessler, Michael Kessler. He was hitting me so hard. I mean, never in you know, 200 fights before that had ever quitting or, you know, getting out of the fight ever crossed my mind. You know, with Aaron Davis, I'm just thinking, you know, I, I'm going to catch him again at some point, you know, and the, the fight just went on. It never crossed my mind to get out of this fight. So we're about the third round of the Kessler fight, and he's hitting me with this jab that I can't get away from. I mean, it's hitting me right there every time, right underneath my nose, <laughs> upper lip. So, I mean, it's swelled up. But I'm like, I start thinking about the car wreck that I had, the, the fusion in my neck, and I've not, none of that had ever crossed my mind before. I'm like, fuck, if I keep getting hit like this, I'm not going to be able to play catch with my son. I mean, this is going to affect how I live. And that's the first rational thought I've ever had during a fight. Right. You know, like, actually, I'm thinking sensibly right now during a fight. That's weird. And that's when you know it's, it's probably over, when you're thinking about other things. You don't have, I mean, you don't have that fighter mentality when you're thinking, fuck, I might actually be hurt this time. And how and, old were you when, when you had the car wreck? Um, that was in 92, like 25 or... I mean, it helps a minor miracle that you came out of that and had the career that you had, right? I mean, that, yeah, was, I, that I, was bad. Yeah, it was a bad idea for him to... I mean, everybody said I shouldn't ever fight anymore, but they took a bone out of my hip and fused C6 and C7. Shit. But Dr. Ryan just was an awesome dude right. in North Kansas City. I mean, anybody needs neuro work done, he's the man. But you're thinking about that in one of your last fights against Kessler, and that had never come never across your crossed, mind in a fight? Never crossed my mind. And I'm like, fuck, man, I mean, this... Maybe I can't do this anymore. Maybe I will get hurt because he, I mean, that's how hard he hit. But, you know, I was at 168 and, you know, I was, I fought everywhere from 147 to 175, you know, wherever the money was right, I'd go. So really I should have been fighting 160 at that point, but you know, it's whatever. It is what it is. Okay. So I really want to ask you about this because you talked about training uh, young fighters and we'll get to that. But, and, and for people that don't know back out of the story, uh, man, I was, I was in a bad place in my life. My, my dad was away in jail. My uncle had just uh, passed away after a long battle with ALS. My mom wasn't doing well. And it was, I, I, was, I was battling severe depression. 
And so my mom, knowing that how much I love boxing, brought an ad in the paper to me. Said there's they're doing boxing classes at a gym down by the city market, and uh, 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 a professional boxer is, is teaching the classes. You need to go do this. Like I'm not gonna fucking go do this. I mean, I'm gonna go in there, gonna laugh at me, look at me. It's ridiculous. And she goes, "That's all you've ever talked about. You just at least want to try to box. You want to be around it. You want to be involved in." This. She said, go do it. And she gave me. I mean, she gave me read me the right. She said, "Get out of the fucking bed. Go down there and do this." <laughs> so I show up. But I was. Super nervous. I'm thinking I'm going to be here for 15 minutes and I'm gone. And you were so fucking cool about it. And you, I think you've told me, you, you saw something in me where you knew that I wanted this really, really bad. I just didn't know how to go about it. And you worked with me. I was in the boxing class. And then you said, hey, if you want some extra work, you know, meet me at 5 a.m., but you better be here. And, you know, and, 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 and you worked me to the point where I fought in the gloves. And I had one pro fight. And I'm just, I've always wanted to ask you, like, what? I mean, what what made you want to want to help me? Because there's a lot of people that fucking wouldn't have looked at me twice, but you invested your time in me and really didn't ask anything in return except for my effort. I I grew up with my dad. I mean, my dad did the exact same thing. I mean, he my dad was so cool. To, I mean, you talk about treating everybody the same. I mean, it didn't matter. He was so such a great guy. Yeah, I mean, you could be the like, king of your country or or what. I mean, just a, a popper on the street. He's gonna treat you the same. It was awesome. And when you grow up in a gyms are melting pots, man. I mean, you've got all ethnicities, all kinds of body types. I mean, just boxing gyms are literally a melting pot. And that's, I grew up in that. So, I mean, I ain't judging nobody. I mean, you know, everybody look, can, you can develop, you can become a fighter. I mean, if, if you're short, you just have to have a little different style than, than a long rangey guy. I mean, you got to, like you have a Mike Tyson style where you got a lot of head movement, you got to jab your way in, you got to get close. Or if you're long and rangy, then you've got to stay on the outside. I mean, you got to just adapt to how God made you. But everybody can do it. I mean, that's one thing about boxing is it anybody can do it. No matter it, how much you weigh, there's a weight class for you. Yeah, you know, it, everybody fits. And so there's there's a couple of stories before we run out of time. I want to tell. So uh, we have the the monthly fights down at the Beaumont Club, and a lot of the guys that you would help train or whatever from the gym would fight there. And so that's where I had my, my first pro fight. Before then, I would just go to the fights. Damon would fight there. We'd walk out to the ring with Damon. That was cool as shit. I loved it. And so then one time, uh, George Clark, remember? See, he, oh, yeah. he, he, was, he, was, he was fighting. And the guy that he was supposed to fight didn't show up, okay? And so you know, Randy Cook, the promoter then, knew that I had been training and he trained. And so and, and they knew that you wouldn't let me or that you would. <laughs> so you were off somewhere. And so they come up to me and goes, Hey, we need someone to fill in. And then George calls, hey, I'll, 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 I'll go easy on you. Come in there. And you and I, he had he had a bunch of fights. He was a pro oh, yeah. fighter. And so and I and I'm in a, and then ready because man, this is your chance. You finally get I'm like, this is my and I fucking eating nachos. Like, like this is my chance. I get in the ring right now. And so then I run over and, and I say, hey, they, they want me to fight. He goes, and, and I'm you said, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? No, no, fuck no. And then you go over and you kind of got mad. You go, leave him alone. He's not fucking fighting. He's not ready for that. And so then whoever, some guy they pulled out of the crowd, he goes in there and it, George just beat the shit out of just And he, he came out, his nose was broken. And you and you walk over to me and you go, is that what you want? And I said, no, I do not. <laughs> and I said, thanks, Craig. But it, I'll never forget it was funnier and shit, but that happened so much. Guys oh, get yeah. pulled back, especially back then. Oh, yeah. The guy would show up. And well, you just, didn't have you know, to have medicals. You could get them right off the street. I mean. Right. No and they did deal. sometimes. Yeah. And then the other. So you got to give me, you got to fill me in on this one. So there was a time at, at 37th of Woodland, there was a guy that I can't remember that was talking shit about you, right? Whenever you weren't around. And so on this night, he was going to be there and you were going to be there. 
and Damon was there, like everyone was there, and you had fucking had it, and you were fucking good to get in there and beat his ass. I can't remember who it was, and and it's, we were all there, and and even Damon was like, "Oh, this is gonna be great," you know, you know how Damon, goes, uh-huh. oh man, he's gonna kick his fucking ass, man. And so you get in there, and you light this guy up, and I have never, I don't think I had seen you beat someone that bad in an actual fight, right? And that was, I don't know if you if you remember that story, but those were some. Well, you know what the. Funny, like this still continues to this day. Right, that that same guy. Oh, is that? Oh, so you know. Well, he, no, I know exactly who you're talking okay. about because I, I remember I beat him in the Golden Gloves. Okay, and he was telling everybody that he got robbed and he could whoop my right, ass. Right there, you go. there it is. I was like, no, no, no. So I beat him up so bad that day. I would almost knock him out, but then let him let him get his shit oh, together, yeah, yeah, and then I blast him. I mean, I was just toying with him like a cat. So. This guy works for the city now. Oh, boy. And he still tells people, for the water department, still tells people that he beat me back in the day, that he got robbed. I mean, I hear it all the time. This guy at the water department is still talking shit about you. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, I beat him unmercifully in the gym uh, that day. I, I, kept, I kept looking at Dave, and I go, is this, is this going to keep going? And Dave, yeah. And, this, and I would, I'll never forget. And that, and that really gave me, uh, we're laughing about a different perspective, like, don't talk shit on anyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, be who you are, go in here, work hard, be don't don't be talking shit. <laughs> don't bark up the wrong tree. I, well, I mean so it was and it was like I like remember. what you remembered. He you could have got him out of there, but you didn't. Uh-uh. And you just kept it going and going. I remember. And so that didn't that didn't fix his wagon, huh? I guess still- not. No, I mean I, I, he's had a relapse because he's I mean, literally two months ago, because you got a water department talking shit about you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Hey, maybe we put this on the other card. The next Jake, Jake Paul pay review. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so now, so now, tell me. You talked about how you trained me and you helped change my life. I'll, I'll be forever indebted to you because it did change my life. It gave me confidence and it, it helped me. I don't know if I'd be in radio if it wasn't for boxing. Some of the lessons I learned with you in the gym. But now you're giving back, like you said, like Mister Nix did, and you're training kids. You're training young fighters. You're doing these things, and I've, you won't tell the story, but I'll, 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 I'll talk about it. You you've gone so far as I mean you 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 put food in, in some of these kids' uh, refrigerators that don't have food to eat. You go above and beyond just a coach or a mentor, and you help kids that need it. Now I'm just curious what that's like for you and 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 why you decided to become a coach. I'm sure that you know uh, doing it in honor of your father, but you really touch a lot of lives. And, and tell us now about what you do for these kids in your in your gym and your program. Well, we, we got it going to the Garrison Community Center. It's right up the street from my house. You know, I mean, four blocks away, so I don't have any excuses for not being there. But Damon and I had accumulated all this equipment. I mean, 40 years of boxing. I had four boxing rings, you know, dozens of heavy bags. I had all this shit. So I went to the center one day, and, you know, it was kind of dead. There wasn't much going on. And I'm like, hey, how would you guys like to have a boxing program? I'll bring the ring, the bag, the gloves, and run it for free. They like, oh, that sounds great. But by the time we got with the city and, you know, the, the run around there, it was like they were stalling me. Like they they couldn't figure out why I was wanting to do that. And um, I, I honestly don't know. I think, you know, God kind of sent me in this direction. And you know, it was just something I grew up in. So it only seems natural, you know, that I would have a gym where people can come. It was just how it's always been in boxing for me. So we ended up uh, going through the Golden Gloves. So the Golden Gloves gets with the city attorneys and, and we get over all the contracts and everything hashed out through them. So I have all my equipment with the Golden Gloves doing the deal with the city. 
you know, so that the insurance is all covered, the, you know, that nobody has to pay anything. And um, we're Monday through Thursday, five to seven, um, free to anybody that wants to, to show up. We, we, you know, we're competitive. We, we go travel around to these fights and, you know, we try to have a good team in the Golden Gloves tournament every year. And, uh, and if somebody wants to get a kid just maybe just wants to learn self-defense or, or, or help his, uh, uh, his confidence level, you, you don't have to think about, well, I want to be a fighter. I w you can just go down there and train. And Of course. Yeah. I prefer, like, I've got a, a, this whole new group. And out of 10 of them, you know, two of them might want to fight. So it, it's hard for me to show enough interest in the other eight, you know, to keep them coming. You know, because those two that want to fight, they got my attention. I mean, right. they're going to get missed. I'm, I'm going to focus on them more than I am the the other eight that are just there to, to have fun. Right. So I, I need more coach. I mean, Paul Harness is amazing. He's there, you know, Monday through Thursday, every night with me, you know, volunteering. Um, but the more coaches, the better. Because I think we're losing some of those kids that aren't getting the attention, that haven't decided yet why they're there. You know, they don't know why they're there. Maybe the parents told them to go, whatever. But they haven't figured out, you know, what boxing's all about yet and, and the confidence it can give them and, you know, the the general conditioning. Because it's going to make you a better athlete. I mean, your hand-eye coordination, your your balance. I mean, you're going to be a better shot in basketball if you can hit a speed bag. Promise. And it's going to give you more confidence just in <laughs> life in general. I know, like, my son Richie wants to come down there and volunteer. We keep talking about that. You know, I'm going to fucking come down there because I've got, I got some – I got I can show, like, hey – I used to get hit with every fucking punch. Don't don't do anything that I did. And I was and the other the other the other good thing is one time I was sparring and you're in there and I I just started bleeding right away and you thought my nose was broke and you stopped looked at me and go oh no you're just a bleeder go ahead because I, I mean a guy would look at me and I just I start you know something would open up yeah um but but man how how about the water guy can you come down there to the fucking gym oh god take care of him hey yeah hey fuck you stop saying that shit but the point is, I think I've made my point a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Fury had to make his point three times with Wilder, so maybe that's what we're looking I, at I here. I guess so. Hey, man, hey, just just to wrap things up, um, you're 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 a firefighter. You're 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 a trainer now, and and more importantly than anything, you're a father, right? And you've talked, you've referenced your son a couple of times, and so was that at all a difficult decision when when he decided? Like, how did that happen? Like, okay. He's going to box. I want to box. Were well, you, you, you know, totally what, cool with that? what's so kick-ass is he has enough respect for boxing. And, and, you know, maybe I've always painted it in a light of, you know, it's no joke. I mean, if, if you're going to box, you got to fully commit to it because it will change your appearance. And anyone that gets in the ring, it, it takes a tremendous amount of guts. So I, I never had pushed him to compete, but we've always, you know, done a handmaid's. We've always sparred. He went to the gym with me. So he he's a badass. I mean, he can really fight, but he doesn't have the interest to pursue it as a career. I mean, right. you know, he, he doesn't have the passion for it. He's not, he's not really a fan of it, you know, per se, but he, uh, he's really good at it and he wants to do it. And it, we, he was going to have a fight here recently. You know, he goes, you know, dad, he goes, I was thinking about it. He goes, and all I, the only reasons I could think of to do it was the wrong reasons. You know, it's like, you know, to be popular on Instagram, to get more hits or whatever. I mean, right. more of a social media reason for doing it. And I thought, man, that's fucking badass. He's, he got enough respect for the sport to know, you know, he's not doing it because he loves it. He's doing it for attention. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. Isn't, isn't it cool when we find out that our kids are smarter than us? Oh, God. Like, yeah. hey, well, it's we, awesome. Yeah, right. <laughs> I love it. Like I said, they, the bar wasn't very high for me, <laughs> but guess what? They, they surpassed it quickly. And again, man, I just want to tell you, I can't tell you how, how much I think of you and thank you for, for helping me when I needed and, and, and being there for me as a trainer when a lot of people wouldn't give me the time of day. And I've, 
I'm just so happy for you and, and, and your family and, and you. I mean, you're a hero. You're, you're a firefighter and you're just fucking you've done you've, you've done a lot for a lot of people in this town that people don't know about it. And I have an unbelievable amount of respect for you. And I'm so glad that you're on the podcast. To, Thank so you, more people can know more about you, because I think that it's it's a great we could do fuck we could do 10 hours on this we didn't yeah. even talk about wilder fury yeah. you know <laughs> the hell of a fight so uh craig thank you for being on hot mic with ssj i appreciate my it my pleasure man and i'm gonna tell you what water department get your shit right that's all i'm gonna tell you <laughs> <laughs> and and hey if you want to uh subscribe on youtube or download the podcast wherever you download your podcast we'll have a new episode uh uh every week this has been Hot Mic with SSJ. The microphone is off.